It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. And welcome to the Bleacher Connection podcast with your host, Ken and Trevor, a part of the Unhinged Sports Network and a proud partner with Fubo TV and Lids. As always, you can find us on social media, on Twitter, at TheBleacherCon1, and at TheBleacherCon2, and our Facebook page, The Bleacher Connection Podcast. On this week's episode, Ken and I are going to discuss the many transactions that have happened in the NHL world this week and weigh in on our thoughts on some of them. <clears throat> the NHL has also approved the use of helmet ads on teams' helmets. And again, Ken and I want to throw that one about. Uh, also, some talk about the World Juniors with the tournament unway- underway. We, uh, we have some thoughts on some of the early games that have happened so far. And as always, we're going to have our weekly That's Off segment. You don't want to miss that one. But before we get started on anything, Ken, how was your Christmas? That was good. It was uh, obviously a little different than years past. Uh, Obviously with the wife and I out in Edmonton and the rest of our family out in BC, we we didn't get a chance to go back this year around the holidays. We usually go back in December at the beginning and uh, see our families or sometimes they've come out as well. And unfortunately we didn't get that, but we still had a good time with uh, technology. We were able to use FaceTime and and visit with all of our families. So that was good. Got to watch the nieces and nephew open their gifts and spend time with, with our family. So it, it was good, quiet around our place here, just the two of us and the animals. So how about yourself? Yeah. Again, we had a, uh, a very different 2020 Christmas. It was uh, a lot of zoom meetings. Again, we, uh, we were adhering to some of the, the local health regulations and chose not to get together with our families, but we decided to do so with the use of technology. And it was, it was a 2020 Christmas, let's put it that way. It was great to see everybody and the kids, my kids had a blast. You know, it was, they still got to open presents with the grandparents and with the cousins and all that stuff. So that was very important to us. It was... Christmas is about the kids for us and they, it it was wonderful for them. And my family also has a tradition every boxing day where we get together and play games with some of our, our family members. And we were able to carry on that tradition. You know, we set up some, uh, some zoom calls yesterday and played some online cards and board games. And it, it was as if it was just like a normal boxing day at my house. So, you know, it was very different yet eerily similar. So again, it was, it was good. And I hope all of our listeners had a Merry Christmas as well. And, and everybody stayed safe. That's, uh, that's the most important thing is, you know, we hope everybody stayed safe. Yeah, it was, uh, it was definitely still nice to be able to visit with people uh, over FaceTime and, and that felt a little normal, especially for us with not having a lot of family out here. We do that anyways. 
definitely a lot of FaceTimes with both sides of the family. And yeah, it was just kind of one part of it was nice and relaxing. I think, uh, you know, we don't usually have to do a lot of running around on, on Christmas Day, but just nice to be able to relax and and spend some time with uh with people virtually. it's funny it's funny you say you found it relaxing because i actually said the same thing on christmas morning to my family i said oh it's gonna be kind of nice just to do things at our own pace and then come three o'clock in the afternoon as i had been on zoom call after zoom call after zoom call i was exhausted i i felt like i had been running around all the place all over anyways and you know come about nine o'clock on christmas day i was ready for bed i was just wiped so i I thought it was going to be relaxing it was uh anything but but it was again it was great to get a chance to still see all the family on on christmas just via technology yeah no that's uh definitely a plus these days so we're gonna move on and that soft side is going to be brought to you by our partners at lids canada Click on the link tree in our Twitter bios for your access to great savings on all your team apparel need. Ken, what caught your eye this past week in the world of sports? Well, there's a couple things that uh, kind of caught my eye. And one of them, speaking of the holidays, uh, the first one, games on holidays, especially around Christmas here. I don't see the appeal in them. I kind of feel that, especially at least on Christmas day i don't feel that the game should be played that's that's just my personal opinion on it i don't i'm not a big fan of it i actually for the most part i don't tune in to watch them if they are on regardless of what sport it is for me christmas day is about spending your time with your family and and your loved ones around you and non-2020 with your friends if you can if you're able to do that get together and just spend that time with people and kind of step away from the sports and everything like that and the one thing i I noticed on the nba schedule they had the lakers playing at home and i forget who they were playing but then they had yeah actually yeah it was dallas but then they had the clippers playing in denver well why not at least take the advantage of two long Los Angeles teams and have them play each other so that the players can be at home with their families. Because in a time like this, the traveling teams are not going to be able to bring their family with them and open up the bubble or whatever. I just think I'm not a big fan of the games on Christmas Day. I don't honestly know how I feel about it. I'm in 2020. I think I may have been okay with it because it was something different and it was just there were sports at least like there there's been a serious lack of sports content in general on tv for the last i'm going to say nine months so on that side of things sure it was nice to have something to watch but again it's a time for family get together and so i can fully agree with your point on that where do we really need to have an nba game or a world junior hockey championship game or an nfl game or i don't know that we do well and that's the thing too is like the the, the games aren't even all during the day so that you can even, I mean, in 2020, you you don't have fans. There was NFL games as well on Christmas Day. There may have been some fans in those games. I don't know. Like I said, I didn't watch them. But a lot of this is a money grab, trying to get those tickets for the Christmas Day game. In 2020, you ha- you can't have fans in a lot of these arenas and venues. So why bother have the game? Because you're not making any money off of it. All you're doing now is inconveniencing players and staff to be away from their families on Christmas Day. Yeah, I would. You you brought up a good point with the inconveniencing families and players. That that is so. That's bang on. It's exactly what it is. And yes, it is a money grab, especially by the NBA to have what was it four or five games? Uh, five they, games, I believe it was. They were trying to have a monopoly on the day, and you know what they did? Absolutely, they they pretty much did. And I'm sure the uh, advertisers paid a healthy penny for it. But I don't know. You you do you you're tearing away young children from their dads, and and even the coaching staff and some of those guys. Like 
you're tearing these people away from their families on on Christmas morning. And you know, many of these guys do have young children. And let's face it, Christmas, like I said before, is about the young kids. And you're kind of taking that away from some of these young dads with their kids. And yeah, and the, the travel, like I said, the travel restrictions, they in the past, they probably could have taken their family with them and made it a trip and have fun, get the team together with everyone and their all the families, all the kids, whatever. You can't do that now. So it kind yeah. of goes away. For me, that's why it's offside. It's, it's purely a money grab and I'm just not a fan. From a selfish point of view, was it nice to have some sports to watch? Yeah. But was I going to be one of those guys? Like, did I tune in from start to finish? No. I maybe caught bits and pieces of a couple games here and there. It was nice to have that option selfishly, but unselfishly, I I don't agree with it for especially for the players in the league. It, it just seems offside to me. Uh, an- another thing that I find very offside this week is some of the news surrounding James Harden and his uh, off the court antics. Ken, how do you feel about some of the stories out there about James Harden this week, uh, potentially being uh, at some clubs that he shouldn't have been at and and jeopardizing his team? Well, I, I had James Harden as a topic for that's offside before some of this news came out in his delay in reporting to the to the Rockets. As we discussed in the past several episodes ago, James Harden wants out of Houston. And at the time, it was because I had less of an issue with it because I felt it was because the direction of the team was going in they weren't looking like they were going to compete they weren't going out and doing a lot to make the team better and he he wants to win fair enough but now where it's become offside is he shows up to camp late they didn't even really know when he was going to show up and he shows up well out of shape he did not look like a guy who had spent his offseason getting ready for basketball so that was the first part but he comes in looking out of shape uninterested and then as you said you get the news that he's out at these clubs breaking protocol and not only does that then require himself and his teammates who are in close contact not there but in close contact with him to have to quarantine and the game gets delayed now this is where i have a problem with it you've now cost your entire team to have to miss a game delay it and then quarantine because you can't feel the Houston Rockets can't feel the lineup of a minimum eight players because of you. Yeah. Okay. You want out of Houston? Fine. Go to the team. Tell them you're not going to play until you're, you're moved. They can suspend you. They can find a, a team to, to move you to, or you can come to an agreement and get it all sorted out and you play, but do not hold your team hostage because you want out. The team went and got John wall. They signed DeMarcus cousins. They've got some players in there that can make this team competitive with James Harden. If you still don't want to be there, fine. Don't ruin it for the rest of your team. Saying that he showed up to camp in uh, less than desirable shape is being polite. He, let's face it, he showed up. He he looked like a train wreck. And I hate saying that because I am by no means a a. a a performance athlete in my own mind, but he, he is, it's, he gets paid millions and millions and hundreds of millions of dollars. He turned down $51 million a season to be a professional athlete. And you don't even have the common courtesy to come ready to play. That's ridiculous in my mind. Part of the the spin I want to take on this, and you kind of brought it up about the game being delayed. Adam Silver gave him a, a get out of jail free card. He pretty much came out and said, well, I was giving him a bit of an early Christmas present and trying not to be the Grinch. It's like, would you have done that if that wasn't a star player? You didn't set any precedent at all. You let the guy 
pretty much get away with breaking protocol and you tried to say, oh, I'm being the nice guy here. Well, he didn't no. get a $50,000 fine, but no, he should have been suspended. Yeah, but that's pocket change to, yeah. that's pocket change to James Harden and the Rockets. Like you want to really set an example. You brought it up. Make him take an L in the win-loss column. Like if you can't feel the team because of stupidity, that's your own fault. So, and I, and I still stand by that stance, but in this case, I would feel bad for the Houston Rockets, for the guys who did show up to play, did come to camp ready to compete and win. But because of one guy, this is one guy I would have. I would almost have an issue a little bit, not a lot with the whole team being punished. I think Harden needs to be suspended and made an example of for the rest of the league that this is not acceptable. Yeah. Well, and for a guy trying to be traded, set, what what precedent are you setting for the team that's potentially looking to acquire you? You are showing, you're telling them, ah, I don't care about the team. What team's going to want to acquire you? Like, I think that hurts your trade value and hurt, like you're trying to get out of there and you're sabotaging it by being selfish. So where does he think he's coming out ahead on this? I don't, I don't get that one at all. Yeah. And I guess on a side note, Ken, I want to ask you, there are rumors out there that the Toronto Raptors are interested in trading for James Harden in a deal that would include Pascal Siakam. I know I personally was very excited when I first heard that. I was like, wow, like potentially a superstar coming back to, to Toronto. After the news that came out this week, I'm like, I don't know that I want to touch this guy with a 10-foot pole. Is he just going to be a detriment to the team? Yeah, I saw that. And even before all this because that's when that rumor came out. I thought that was a lot to be giving up for James Harden, honestly. I think with Pascal, you've got a chance to grow your own superstar and and build with from within. I think now you definitely want to stay away from this because is this going to is this Harden just trying to get out or is this the Harden that's going to continue when you get him? Yeah. And if he doesn't like something, this is what you're going to have to deal with. So if I'm the Toronto Raptors or any organization for that matter, I'd be worried about investing in this guy. Like he turned down $51 million to play, to stay in Houston. And are you going to be acquiring a guy that's invested to playing on your team at all? And what's it going to take to keep him there? And with the recent antics, it's, are you going to get a guy who's truly passionate about playing on your team? I didn't have these questions about James Harden, even let's say six months ago. I do now. I think he's become very selfish and he's really, really hurting his value for a guy who frankly really hasn't won anything yet either. Yeah, I, I still kind of for now stand by what I said before when we were talking about him, that the turning down 51 million is just showing he doesn't want to be in Houston because it sounded like they weren't committed to winning because they couldn't compete with the Lakers and Clippers in the West. We'll have to wait and see when it does come contract time if he uh, signs somewhere else and is taking less money than $51 million that the Rockets offered him. I have no doubt, A, he'll get moved, and B, he'll re-sign for less than $51 million, But I'm still very interested to see what that contract does look like. Is it substantially less than $51 million, or is it $50.99 million? <laughs> yeah. like, we'll really see... If it was about wanting out of Houston or not. <laughs> yeah. For like, as you said, for a guy who hasn't really won anything yet, he's going to get paid like he has. So, yeah. So with that, James Harden, with your recent antics, you're offside by a mile. It wasn't even close on the play. There's no review needed on that one. Yeah. As always, if you agree, disagree, have different thoughts on it, let us know on social media, on Twitter, at the BleacherCon1, at the BleacherCon2, or our Facebook page, 
the Bleacher Connection podcast. So now getting into our main topics of the day, we're going to be talking about some recent NHL transactions uh, that have taken place and and probably one of the luckiest teams in the NHL right now, I'd have to say, uh, to the Tampa Bay Lightnings. For those that haven't heard the Tampa Bay Lightning, this is a uh, bad news, good news situation. Bad news is, uh, and some in, that have to face them nine, ten times a season, they see it as a shining light. Nikita Kucherov is going to miss the season, which... Uh, is bad for the NHL because he is such a top talent. You don't, you're going to be missing out on that. And it's just not good for him. You don't want to see a player get hurt and miss time like this. But where it's kind of good news for the Tampa Bay Lightning is it freed up nine and a half million dollars to be able to re sign all of their RFAs that they had zero dollars to do that with under the cap. So this is why I, I call them the, the luckiest team in the NHL right now. Yeah, I'm, I'm kind of torn on this because I originally, when I saw the news, I called BS and said, wow, that's convenient. But then I really got thinking about it and it's like, well, you're, you're missing one of the best players in the game. So is it really a trade-off to have you know, Nikita Kucherov out of the lineup just so you can have, you know, Sorelli and Ternak in the lineup. And I kind of quickly recanted on my thought of, no, this isn't, this isn't convenient, but it, it is, it's disappointing to have such a dynamic player not on the ice this year, but where I think and why I originally felt like it was convenient is, well, they've pretty much said he's going to be back for the playoffs. And as the hockey fans know, there is no salary cap once you hit the playoffs. So all of a sudden, boom, the Tampa Bay Lightning have their whole team right when it matters. So for that reason, I originally was like, wow, this is a bunch of BS. Like they're totally scamming the, the, and circumventing the NHL salary cap. But I was actually going to say this has to be that soft side because it, it at first glance completely looked to be offside, but what I really thought about, it's like, no, there's no way they'd want uh, Kucherov out of the lineup in place of Sorelli and, and Chernak. So Yeah, it's not the I, Vancouver Canucks putting Louis Erickson on long-term IR for a hangnail to free up his $6 million. <laughs> <laughs> it's a hip surgery, is it not? For, yes. For Kucherov. So even when he comes back for the playoffs, which when I saw what it was, I went with unfortunate convenience as to what this injury is because it does free up and allow them to sign all of their RFAs that they couldn't. But you're right, the the league, this is a loss for the league as well. And just, you don't want to, you don't want to see players get hurt. But when you got one of your top end guys out that you're not winning. Well, and is this going to have long-term negative impact on his career or not? Like when you're talking about hockey, your hips are critical to generating your power and speed on the ice. So is this potentially going to have long-term uh, effects on his game and I, sh- I sure hope not yeah. except for when he's playing my team but other than that I, I sure hope not yeah, he's a, a dynamic dynamic force out there that the league's better with Nikita Kucherov on the ice absolutely and there's a lot of guys that uh, like him or not you know Ryan Kessler had hip surgeries it's definitely something that is career impactful that it could really change things for his career going forward Hopefully it's nothing as serious as some of the other players that have had it done, but we'll have to wait and see on that. Uh, the next transaction I kind of want to discuss, and I, I really shook my head at this one. I just can't uh, understand why it went down, was the Ottawa Senators acquiring 
Derek Stepan from the Arizona Coyotes. It's not so much that they acquired him. They paid a, a relatively healthy price of a second round draft pick to do so. Uh, Derek Stepan is, he's a serviceable NHL player, but when I look at what, let's say the Vancouver Canucks paid, I think it was a third round pick for Nate Schmidt. Yeah. Or you could have paid a second round pick for Derek Stepan. I just, I don't get it. I really don't. Yeah. I think this is potentially another move to get the Ottawa Senators cap compliant. They've done it in the past where they've picked up a long-term injury reserve contract in Ryan Callahan and others in the past to just get to the cap floor. And potentially that's why it cost them a second because Arizona knew what they were trying to do and like, okay, well, we'll do this, but we're not going to take a third. We're not going to take a fourth. We want your second round we know what you need to do and they held them they held them hostage potentially for it but where i don't understand it is arizona's over the cap so they needed to shed money too so it's almost like ottawa did them a huge favor it's almost completely backwards to teams are trying to shed salary and paying a premium for it well the ottawa senators paid a premium to gain salary which is so backwards to the stance of many teams in the league especially in my opinion when you were a trading partner with a team that desperately needed to dump salary and salary cap. Everybody knows there's financial hardships in Arizona. So how come you had to pay a second round pick to get money off of their books? Well, if you believe the billboards in Ottawa, the team isn't run very well and ownership they're not fans of. So potentially mismanagement of assets. Yeah, I'm I'm baffled by this one. I, I think you could have, I don't have an issue with them acquiring Stepan. I have an issue with them with the the acquisition price. It just it doesn't make sense to me at all. When uh, I'm sure you could have found cheaper trade partners. Well, for a second round pick, no offense to Derek Stepan, there are better players you could have gotten for a second round pick, right? Yes, that's exactly, at, exactly what I was a, trying to say. At a similar contract as well. So, yeah, I saw that and I just didn't understand it either. It just seems so backwards from what every other NHL team is trying to do, but. To be fair, the Ottawa Senators have been backwards for a long time. So, yeah. Uh, the next uh, set of transactions, and I, I actually really, I think these are great moves. And that's the Nashville Predators brought in Eric Halla and Michael Granlund on one-year deals. The, the Granlund contract, I think it was $3.75 million, seems a yeah. little high based on the market conditions. But you've essentially solidified your forward position. You've brought in two established NHLers that are going to give you tremendous depth in your forward ranks to go along with their already embarrassment of riches on the back end. So even though they're lacking some real high-end talent, and, and Ryan Johansson and Matt Duchesne are, are good players, but they're not, they're not superstars. But I think these two acquisitions make Nashville an incredibly deep team. And they're going to be a hard out in every game. Yeah, I'm kind of glad they're not uh, anywhere near our division. We have to play them. So Nashville, as you said, they're they're a good team. They've built themselves very, very well. I, I too, was a little surprised that Granlin got more than Halla. Uh, I, Halla's on a one-year deal. And whether he re-ups if Nashville gets more money off the books at the end of the season or he has a good season and gets paid elsewhere – a lot of these deals that are being signed right now are cap-related signings. These guys aren't... Eric Hall is not a player who deserves $1.75 That is an absolute steal for Nashville at that yes. price. Uh, Granlund, that's a fair enough price. I, I don't know if he should have... I, I would have gone two and two or two and a half each, whatever it worked out to be. But, you know, they managed to get two good players at for not a lot of money. 
So yeah, Nashville's a very smart move on their part. What I kind of wonder about it is, could Nashville have given that Grandland money and given it all to Halla and got him on a long-term deal? That, to me, might have been a smarter play because you only really have him most likely for one year unless you think you can re-sign him. But I'm wondering, was this your opportunity to get a a solid NHL kind of middle six forward under contract for a long time? Or are you in more of a win-now mode, I guess, because Pekka Rene is a little bit older and you felt like maybe two players would give you a better chance at winning? I don't know. I'm, I don't sit in David Poyle's office, and I, I kind of wish I did because he'd be amazing to learn from. But yeah. Yeah, he's a phenomenal general manager, one of the best, in my opinion, in the league. I think so. I'll give him the benefit of the doubt that he knows what he's doing. Yeah, I I think it'll take catastrophic. I got to give for him to get leave Nashville. Yeah, exactly. So I'll I'll give him that benefit of the doubt that he knows what he's doing on this one because he is a tremendous general manager. Uh, The next one is kind of it's a it's a good news bad a good story bad story I guess you could call it. And that's that's Craig Anderson signed a, a professional tryout in Washington. Unfortunately, the reason that he had to sign this was because the King Henrik Lundqvist is out for the season. Fortunately, I, in my belief, he he may not play again in the NHL. So, Ken, I kind of want you to take both sides of this. You know, talk about kind of Craig Anderson, but I think more importantly about Henrik Lundqvist. Yeah, I'll start with Henrik Lundqvist. He he had a heart condition that. Apparently, he's been playing with his entire career. This isn't a, a new thing, but I think America recently found. And where it's at now and how they found it, he can't play. And this is a guy who, who probably, I would have no issue if he was a first ballot Hall of Famer. This guy is mm-hmm. a top flight goaltender, one of the best to have played the game. And to see his career potentially end this way is quite unfortunate. I think it would have been weird but to see him in in washington in different colors than the the ranger blue but i think for uh the washington capitals that was a a great signing to help bring along samson off and and the others on that team very classy player very respected henrik lundquist is just a phenomenal talent and, and it came across from what we could see as fans a very good person as well so very unfortunate gonna be sad to see him go and sound like he's, he's gonna be able to continue his career after taking this year off so if this is how his career ends it's unfortunate i think washington is missing out on a great player and from all accounts a, a great person as well uh definite leader someone who i think was definitely beneficial to have in a locker room and in an organization uh, yeah, I, I, it would have been weird to see Henrik Lundqvist in Washington Capitals colors because he is such, he's one of those players that you associate with one team. And that is, I think always going to be the Rangers. I think they had to make a move though, to allow their younger goalies to, to step in, but yeah, hopefully this is just a one year setback and he can come back and play again. Cause I think that would be a huge loss for the game to not be able to see Henrik Lundqvist play goal. Yeah, Henrik Lundqvist kind of is the the face of the franchise for many Ranger fans for the last, I'm going to say, almost two decades. He's been kind of the consistent on that team, and he he would just he was the Rangers for so long. And if this is the end of his career, it's disappointing as a hockey fan, and I I hope it isn't. And I Washington is really going to be missing out on a guy who's could really mentor some of these young guys, and. 
especially for Samsonov. Like he he did it with Shesterkin and and uh, Gorgiev in for the last year and a bit in with the Rangers. So they're missing out, in my opinion, not so much with his on the ice play because it it has gone down, but off the ice, he's just an amazing amazing person from the NHL. But it does open up a chance for Craig Anderson to potentially prolong his NHL career by a year when he otherwise probably wasn't going to get a contract. Uh, again, Craig Anderson is another great story from the NHL in the last few years with some of his health issues and in within his family and his wife. And so you kind of feel good for Anderson to potentially get another opportunity here when he probably wouldn't have. Yeah. And last piece on, on Lundqvist for me, I think he's definitely, he's a, and, and Anderson, you're right. They, He's a guy who has been around for a while. I think he will be able to help Washington. I think he'll make that team. I don't think it's too far of a stretch to say that he'll sign that contract after the the pro tryout in, in the shortened camp. Like let's let's face it, it's a week long with no games, so it's almost could almost be guaranteed unless he goes in there and doesn't stop a puck. But yeah, I think for Anderson, it's a good opportunity to to play another year or two maybe so there's a couple other deals here ken that i'm going to list off and if there's any of them that you specifically want to speak about i'll i'll give you that opportunity and and that's uh connor sheary uh signing in washington uh we have slater kukuk or i believe that's how you uh pronounce it uh signed a one-year deal with the edmonton oilers a 40 year old ryan miller is going back to anaheim on a one-year deal and kind of this one hits a little close to home for me is Michael Froelich uh, joining Montreal on a one-year deal. Uh, Michael Froelich played many years in Calgary and uh, I enjoyed his time here. So I was excited to see him get, you know, another opportunity when I wasn't convinced he would. Yeah. Not too many of those are overly surprising. Most of these are one year, $1 million deals for leaks is even 750,000. So I think these are just some depth signings to potentially combat the season where you're going to need bodies and you're going to play playing a lot of games in a short period of time. And you potentially could be filling your taxi squad with some NHL caliber players. I was just going to say that some of these could be taxi squad signings that wouldn't have happened otherwise. Uh, one of the deals on here that I think is a, uh, a sneaky decent deal is, uh, the Oilers and Slater Kukuk. I think it adds depth to a blue line that needs it. And I, I, I think it's with Clefbaum being out, in no way is Slater going to fill those minutes. But he's he's another NHL player that they can put on that on that blue line. So I'll give them a little bit of props. I think this could be a sneaky good acquisition by the Oilers. Yeah, the Oilers are definitely in need of some defensive bodies there they need to need some upgrades and when you can grab a guy on a low dollar deal that's an nhl player it usually doesn't hurt in in the end well do you guys agree with what we talked about let us know on twitter at the bleacher con one at the bleacher con two or on our facebook page the bleacher connection podcast We'd love to hear from you guys. Yeah, and this part of the part of the show was brought to you by Fubo TV. Uh, we've recently partnered with them as as on the Unhinged Sports Network. 
Fubo TV brings you 100 plus channels, including NBC, CBS, Fox, ABC, ESPN, and more without the hassle of a cable contract. If you want to check it out, click the link in our Twitter bios and start your seven day trial now. So the next topic I want to talk about, Ken, and that's the NHL has decided to approve the use of ads on helmets. Uh, I know there's many in the hockey world who are against this. I'm not at all. I think this is a revenue opportunity for the NHL in a time when they need it, let's be frank. And I think it's not just going to be for this season. I think this is a permanent change. And I think we're also going to see other changes uh, come about. Uh, You and I are going to discuss a couple of those. We did that in a previous show with lots of ideas. But because it's now a reality, I think it's a good time to kind of go back and kind of rehash that discussion. Yeah, I I don't have an issue with the helmet ads at all, I think. What I like about them is from seeing the New Jersey Devils and their prudential uh, advertisement on there, the Washington Capitals have Capital One. They're on the helmets. They're on the side. They're not. They're not overly noticeable. They're not like when you go to the World Championships or even in the World Juniors, where you get the the big old sticker in the front of the helmet above the visor that is quite noticeable and stands out. And in, in my opinion, is a little bit of an eyesore. This is something that's on the helmet. And if you have an issue with it, I please talk to us on social media. Tell us why, because it's a helmet ad that you're not going to be able to see during gameplay. This is going to be solely for during a face-off close-up, a shot on the bench, in the penalty box, along those lines. You're not going to see them, and that's why I don't mind them. They're not over the top. Well, and let's be honest here. There's been ads on helmets since the start of hockey. The hockey brand of the helmet is already on there. Every helmet already says Bauer, Nike, Reebok, whoever it is. There's already an ad on the helmets. So if you're saying this is something new, it's not. Yeah. There's already ads on the hockey sticks. There's already ads on the skates. So who cares? To me, it's a real marketing opportunity for the NHL to make some extra money. And even post-COVID, when there's fans in the stands, to me, money coming in means more money for the players, more money for the fans, more stability in the league. It just, it makes sense. There's commercials on TV and do we bitch and complain about those? Not always. Like the Super Bowl has ads. It's a money driven venture. So why are we complaining about this? Yeah. I think even the Florida Panthers, I believe it is, they're going to go to potentially having a different sponsor ad, whatever you want to call it on their home and away helmets. Yeah. So you're going to get two revenue streams in there. I don't know that it's going to get you this that much more than just having one, but they're doing that. I, I mean, I think got to wonder if the league's going to allow teams to have the same or if they're going to have any control of it whatsoever. Cause could you imagine the Oilers and the Vancouver Canucks both having Rogers as their advertisements because they both play out of one plays out of Rogers arena, one plays out of Rogers place. So are why you not? See, yeah. Why are not? you going to see similar ones? Are, are you going to then as a team, are you going to open up and say, Hey, for our reverse retro jerseys, 
Uh, we're going to open up ad space for those games alone. That is not on your standard agreement. If you want that, you need to pay more on our alternate jerseys. You need to pay more. That's not just going to be one part of it. You could sell per uniform ad space on the helmets. So there is multiple areas where you could try and get a bit more money out of it as well. Well, I even heard, I was listening to local Calgary radio this week and I believe it was uh, Rob Kerr was on the radio He's all all in on this, and so am I. He actually brought up some really interesting ideas of actually selling individual players to local companies for some local advertising, or you could sell. Uh, as you know, in in a lot of the games now, there's there's ads on the glass that are transposable. Could you not do that on the bench as well, where you're showing coaches or assistant coaches? and have little ads above their shoulders every time they're shown, like with the technology that we have. And I think Rob Kerr was definitely onto something with the technology today. Why not? And does it really affect your viewing experience? No, but if it creates kind of stability and revenue for the league and at a time when I think they need it again, why not? What's what is wrong with this? I think it would, I think it would depend. I might say possibly, on the viewing experience if you go to a shot of the bench and now you have you know 15 different advertisement or companies logos popping up above players heads and coaches shoulders and things like that if they can do it in a way that's not making it too busy to over the top like subtlety is i think where i'm okay with the helmet ads i don't have an issue with it is because it's not taking anything over I, I do on not the, like the uniforms in Europe where you have 57 different advertisement or company names on a jersey. That is, it's just so busy. To me, what if you were to like sell ads, kind of what I meant by the individual players is you would do something either on the pants or the jerseys, like possibly on the pants where anytime they're lined up at a face-off dot, you make a chance to see it. I'm not thinking on the glass for those guys, because you're right, that would be a busy viewing experience. But I, I think it would also give the opportunity for local businesses who to get some recognition and help them out in a time when they might also need it too. And and I think uh, Rob Kerr brought up a great point about you do it in a kind of a, a tiered status of obviously the best players cost you the most, but you also give some of the the guys the, the call ups opportunities to you know get some smaller local businesses involved as well. So I. I thought it was a brilliant idea and I think it would, I think they should do it to be brutally honest. I really do. Yeah. I, I I'm on the fence with that one. I don't know. I just think it begins. Do you then take the, I'll play the other side of it. Are you then going to create dissension because, you know, take the Edmonton Oilers, Connor McDavid and Leon Dryside will get the top tier Lexus and Mercedes advertisements. Attached and rightfully to so. And you've got, you know, Slater, Coca getting, you know, Kia West. Like, I, I just don't know like, if it's going to, but because it's also it's for the team. It's not, it's not doing anything with the player either. So, but it's not, I'm not saying give the players money. I'm saying advertise on the players. The money still goes to the league and the team, but it's, it's a chance to promote based on player and based on what you can afford. So yeah. But do you think I like league, it. 
do you think the league would actually go to a tier to allow smaller businesses the opportunity to get in on that? Or are they going to try and milk it for big businesses that can pay all the time? Well, they would go to big business first, of course, but is every big business going to want to put their name on, uh, I don't want to call it a no-name player, but a lesser known player? I don't know. Yeah. Because if you take a look at the boards, they already have all that advertisement kicking around the boards. So are you going to then remove the ads on the board to the boards on to put onto the players? Like we don't have any fans going in the arenas. So you could put all the advertisements on the seat covers that they're going to have that we saw in the, the playoff bubble yep. that we're seeing in the world juniors right now. I think there's a way to sell advertisements without slapping a million and one things on the players. I don't know. I, I, to me, these are all made for TV opportunities on revenue. it's not going to show up to the people in the building eventually when they're back allowed in. But let's be fair. Most of the viewership is from television. So if you can create some made for TV advertising revenue moments, why, why wouldn't you? Yeah. Yeah. They got to find ways to, to bring the money in. Like I even noticed in the world juniors here where at the top of the boards on, on the bottom of the glass, they've got crave TV around the arena as a sponsor so that's new you haven't seen those advertisements on and that's on the glass that's there that's not you know superimposed on tv yeah so that's a new way that they've had that uh they've brought some money in that way so we could see I, that in the nhl i was just gonna say i'm positive you'll see something like that in the nhl this year because they need to find every dollar they can so why wouldn't they do that yeah yeah it's gonna be interesting to see how far they're going to go with the uh advertisements on players so we'll we'll see how long they can't play without fans because i i know a lot of them are hoping by season's end playoffs they can have fans and travel but i i I don't think that's going to happen this year yeah i think it's a bit of a pipe dream i hope we can because trust me i'm dying to sit in the the saddle dome here in calgary and put on my flames jersey and go cheer on my team but and I'm, I'm sure you're likewise just dying to watch your team, but uh, it's not going to, I don't think it's going to happen as much as I want it to. So, yeah, no. All right. Well, let us know what you think on uh, the advertisements in the NHL, your thoughts on what you want to see, what you don't want to see. Uh, and uh, let us know on Twitter at the BleacherCon1, at the BleacherCon2, and on our Facebook page, the Bleacher Connection Podcast. So our last topic of the day, and with the tournament just starting in the last few days and you know more games being played as we speak, the World Junior Championships are on in Edmonton. Uh, there was a little bit of worry whether we were even going to get these championships played with some of the uh, COVID issues arising kind of all over Canada and, well, in the world, to be frankly, and especially in Edmonton with some of the players actually getting COVID. So we weren't... Sure, if there was going to be a tournament, but it is now underway. Um, I think the first few days of competition from this tournament has caused Ken and I to raise our eyebrows a little bit and has kind of, I don't want to say it diminishes the tournament, but some of the blowouts that have happened already are, in my opinion, I don't want to call it a black eye, but potentially is something that needs to be reviewed and is there a way to fix this? Well, uh, I will. I, I I don't like watching the games that go happened yesterday. Yesterday there was three games. Sweden beat the Czech Republic seven to one. Canada beat uh, 
Germany 16 to 2, and the US beat Austria 11 nothing. The combined score of 34 to 3 yesterday is a joke. The fact that I don't even think if you totaled up the shot totals for the three losing teams equaled the goal totals for the winners. I enjoy the World Junior Tournament, but what I don't enjoy is the severe gap in levels of talent. And this is not a shot at any of the countries that are losing this way, but the difference in talent is so large and it is so disheartening to watch these kids come out and play to just get destroyed. The Austrian goaltender in the game last night against the U S was in there till the very end. I think he was in there for 10 goals and he didn't leave the net until he got injured. He faced over 70, no, sorry. He faced yep. 68 shots, stopped 58 of them. But the U.S. had over 70 shots in the game. Austria had, I think, I think they finally finished with nine, maybe. Yeah, I think it was 10 they finished with. Like, I didn't watch any of that game. I didn't watch, I'm not going to lie, I didn't watch a minute of that game because I didn't need to. I, you knew the outcome before it started. I didn't have much of a, a vested interest in Team USA, maybe outside of Dustin Wolf for the Calgary Flames prospect. But I I did not need to tune into that game because I knew what was going to happen. And to me, that that's not good. Every hockey fan should want to tune into every game. And I didn't. I really didn't. Yeah, if you want to have 10 teams then break it down this way. Your top five teams, that's your division. That's who's playing for the world championships here. That's who's going to play to make the, the the playoffs. You could even do it this way. You have your top five teams, your lower five teams. The winner of that lower division comes up to join the playoffs for the top five teams. And everyone plays through and you get a winner out of that if you finished last in the top five division, you drop down. If you finish in the, to the next year's tournament, if you finish first in the lower one, you, you come up, you're promoted that way. And if you finish last in the bottom five, you're out. And then another team comes in. You can work it that way. Austria qualified for this tournament last year for promotion. Yet when they get to play the tournament, they've lost at least half a dozen of the players that got them there because they all aged out. So how is that fair to the team now that doesn't have those players and they get absolutely destroyed? These guys are well away from their homes and their families to be embarrassed. The world juniors uses the tie or goals for and against as a tiebreaker. It rarely ever gets to that point but you always have these people in these high scoring games saying you need the goals. You need to get the goals. Tiebreakers yep. count. This is why it's a joke. No one wants to see a team a go down the ice and score 20 goals in a game. And the other team gets two shots, nor do they want to see a team dump and chase just so they don't run the score up. They need to fix this in my opinion. Yeah, I kind of like your idea of it's more of a uh, a soccer model with kind of the relegation and promotion of 
of teams kind of back and forth, but let's face it. There really is only five, maybe six hockey nations. Can we just do the tournament with them? Like, I know you want to try to create development models with some of the other teams. And I feel bad for Germany because to be honest, they usually play Canada very tough in this tournament. They were ravaged by illness, COVID, and they also played the night before. And their starting goalie faced 50 shots the night before, but they didn't have a real backup due to COVID. Skaters. Yeah, like, so I'm going to give the Germans a, a bit of a pass on this one because they usually do play us somewhat tough. And that 16-2 game probably would have been a, a, a 5-1 game. But again, it, it's you. There was never any doubt, and nor is there ever any doubt about who's actually going to win that game going in every year. So I don't know. I think they need to find a way to make it just the best play the best. But are you are are you stealing development opportunities from some of these up and coming nations as a result of that? I think you might be. So I I personally don't know what the the fix is, but. I think you have to somehow, if you can limit the amount of games that some of the, the weaker nations play against the stronger ones, that might be a better idea. Maybe go to more divisions of lesser teams and you have you know, one, I guess we can call it an inferior opponent in a division and two stronger opponents and maybe go that way. So they may only get uh, one or two games instead of five games. So to me, the answer might be have more divisions instead of just two divisions where maybe you have, and I'm going to call them the inferior teams, maybe have one of those in a division with two of the stronger teams and they only have to play those guys a couple times. They still get their development opportunities, but then there's a quick reseeding very shortly after and you can get some of the, the lower tiered nations starting to play each other only as opposed to playing the top tier teams and getting what you saw in the last couple of days of just blowouts galore. I don't know if that's the answer, but it's an, it's a, it's a potential opportunity. I don't know. Yeah. It's just, it's disheartening to see because you, you're looking for good quality hockey and unfortunately it's not there and it does in a way make the tournament potentially look a little Mickey mouse when you can't, field two competitive teams to play each other especially in one day when you get three games back to back where it's just painful to watch because you can't like as you said you know what's going to happen so why do you bother watching yeah so with the tournament being this way it's definitely painful to watch and i think it does bring questions as to why have it when you're not putting out competitive product on the ice i think this is something that the world juniors needs to work on it is i do like watching it but i don't like these games there has to be a way to fix it i don't know what it is i'm not part of it i'm not in there but my suggestion would be create two divisions still bring 10 teams if you put, let the lower five teams play each other in a mini tournament of their own you're gonna get some better hockey out of it yeah i, I feel bad for the kids coming over as well like you can't tell me that Germany and Austria were having fun yesterday. There's no way that was fun for them. Sure, getting to be over away on a, a trip of a lifetime, I understand that aspect of it, but the actual playing hockey part of it, there's no way that was fun for them. And 
I don't know. They got to find a way to make it so you're only having Canada play the top tier teams because when you get into those games, the, the hockey is phenomenal. Those games are high energy. There's they're exciting because you have a, a 16, 17, 18, 20 year old kids. They make mistakes and that's what makes the game exciting. Like, you can be up 6-1 and all of a sudden it's 6-5 because the other team let off the gas and, and and got rattled. And one of the, some of the best games I've ever been to live were some World Junior Championship games 10 years ago when it was held in Calgary. I was at that quarterfinal game against Russia where Canada damn near came back from 6-1 down. And it was probably the most electric game I've ever been to. So you have to find a way to make those the games that are front and center only. And maybe you just don't televise the Canada-Austria game. I don't know. Well, I think one thing that I, I kind of missed and just kind of it came to me too, in the game against the U.S. and Austria, one of the Austrian players hit a U.S. player yes. and high with a shoulder to the head. Now, is was that out of frustration or was that out of just poor timing? In an eleven nothing game, it looks like it's out of frustration and it's an intent to injure. Yeah, that that's a very good point. In those games, there's guys that are going to give up. The, the German goaltender at the end of the game, when he was letting in the goals, was just shrugging because he didn't care. He was like, "Whatever, they're going to go in. What's the point?" So you get, and it's not fair because these some of these players are trying to showcase themselves to NHL yeah. teams and scouts. So if they get blown out night in night, night in night out it's not doing them any favors as well. That's not a true representation of their ability to play. Yeah. I actually think you make a really good point there, especially about the frustration and the the high hits, because we've actually seen that uh, quite a few of them early on in this tournament. And I hope it's not a trend where there has been some questionable hits thrown late in games. So you don't want to believe it's, it's kids intentionally trying to injure each other, but is there a little bit of sense of frustration because, Oh man, I'm losing 11, nothing. Well, I'm going to show these guys, and I really hope that's not the what is actually happening, but it's very possible that it is. Yeah. So for that reason, I think they got to do something with the World Juniors here to even out the, the, the talent pool. Yeah, I, I totally agree. I'm looking forward to the, to the games that, like the Canada-USA games or the Russia-USA are always tremendous games, Canada-Sweden. I can't wait for those because it's, it's amazing hockey once we get there. Yeah, that it is. All right, well, if you want to share your thoughts on the World Juniors and whether you like it the way it is or you have ideas for change, let us know on Twitter at TheBleacherCon1, at TheBleacherCon2, and on Facebook, The Bleacher Connection Podcast. Well, that's going to wrap everything up for this week. We want to thank everyone for tuning in on the Unhinged Sports Network and uh, on all the different podcast platforms. We want to thank everyone for tuning in. We'll talk to you in a week. I want to wish everybody a happy new year. Happy New Year, everyone. Thanks.